Welcome to the Insight Ministries podcast. We're your hosts, John and Megan Pop. We want to thank you for listening. We hope the messages on this podcast encourage you and bless you. Connect with us on social media, or for more information, check out our website, keepchristinsight.com. We hope you enjoy today's episode. The title of my sermon today is Breathing Fire. Breathing Fire. And so I want to start you out in the book of Daniel. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 3. Most of what I read today will be New King James. Every now and then I'll throw in a King James or a Christian Standard Bible or whatever. But it'll be on the screen. Don't worry about it. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, it'll be right up there. So we are all on the same page. Amen? Amen. Father God, I ask you to add your anointing and utterance to this word in Jesus' name. So in the book of Daniel, you have um, one of the more historical stories of the Old Testament. A lot of the Old Testament is history, the history of the nation of Israel, the chosen people of God. And so what happens in the book of Daniel is you have uh, King Nebuchadnezzar who has um, the kingdom of Babylon, has overtaken the kingdom of Assyria, and they are now breathing down the neck of Israel, okay? And so they invade the nation three times, and each time they take people, and they bring them back to Babylon and take them captive. And eventually, they just go in and take everybody, okay? And so Daniel is a young man who's called to be a prophet of God, and he is writing the story of the children of Israel in Babylon, And he highlights three Hebrew, we call them boys. They were probably young men. um, By the names of their Hebrew names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And of course, that's the English interpretation of those names. We are not saying them correctly, just flat out not. But that's okay, right? Because, you know, we're not Hebrew. (laughs) So um, Hananiah... Mishael and Azariah, they stand with Daniel against the king's uh, meal plan for them. They do what we now refer to as the Daniel fast, and they are promoted. Now, in the process of that, they're given new names. They're given Babylonian names. And so we call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Everybody knows this story. If you've been in church for three weeks, you know this story. Okay. But I'm hoping to bring something out of it that you haven't seen. And I'm also going somewhere, so stay with me. All right. And so the king Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. He sets up a golden image, a giant statue of himself made out of gold. And he expects that when music plays, his people will worship the statue. Because he, in his mind, has decided that he is God. Okay? Now, the Babylonians worshipped many gods, but he placed himself over them and said, I am going to be worshipped. I am the highest figure in this kingdom, and you're going to worship me. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a little bit of a problem with that. And they said, we are not going to bow down to idols. They said, you know, you've taken us out of our land. You've given us new names. 
You've changed our identity, but you cannot take our God. And so they stood firm. And Nebuchadnezzar says, I'm going to give you one more chance. When the music plays, you better bow. And picking up in verse 15, I'm just going to read the last half of it. In verse 15, Nebuchadnezzar says, but if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hand? That is audacious. Nebuchadnezzar just threw it down. Who is the God who will deliver you out of my hand? And what I love is that the Hebrew boys looked back at him and said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't even have to think about it. They said, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, if you plan to throw us in the fiery furnace, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning and fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. Now that is courage. To stare into the eyes of the king who just destroyed your home city, your home country, and say, you know what? That's enough. That's all you get from me. You're not getting any more. To stare into the face of your enemy who has all but conquered you and say, you know what? This is where I draw the line. You can take from me. You can steal from me. You can try to change my identity, but you cannot take my God. You cannot change my worship. And so the first thing that I want you to see is that they had already decided. They didn't have to think about it. They didn't have to pray about it. They didn't question what they were going to do. They didn't have to talk amongst themselves. They had already decided, oh, king, we have no need to think about what we're going to say to you in this matter. We will not bow. The second thing I want you to see out of this story is that they stood in faith. Our king is able. Our God is able to deliver us out of your hand. They didn't doubt it. They didn't question it. Our God is able. And the third thing that I want you to see out of this story is that, but if not, but if not, because when you're facing a fiery furnace, the question you have to ask yourself is, but if not. I believe God can do it, but what if he doesn't? But their faith said, but if not, we will not bow. We will still worship him. You see, everything that God had done for the children of Israel was enough for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to know that God was still worthy of worship, whether he answered this prayer or not, whether he delivered them this time or not. Because he had already brought them out of the land of Egypt. He had already made them a nation. He had already sustained them through countless wars, countless famines, countless droughts. He had already kept them 70 years longer than the northern kingdom of Israel, which was conquered by Assyria. He had already done this much. 
And so he is able to deliver us out of the fiery furnace. But if not, we will not bow. We will not surrender our hearts. We will not surrender our worship. If my dying breath is gonna be in that furnace, then it's gonna be praising my God. You're not gonna take what I have left. The last thing that's gonna come out of my mouth is worship, is worship to the one true God. And so Nebuchadnezzar, of course, is angry. And he throws them in the fiery furnace, bound, because, you know, dying isn't enough. You got to do it handcuffed. So he throws them in bound. The guards who throw them in die because of the heat of the fire. It's so hot that they literally die throwing them in. And the king is sitting there enjoying the view. Oh, look, there's the three boys I just threw in the fire. I'm going to sit here and watch them burn. Wait a second. Why are there four in there? And the fourth one, you know what? He kind of looks like the son of God. You see, Jesus Christ, this is what's called a Christophany. It's an Old Testament appearance of Jesus before he's revealed as, a, as the Savior in the New Testament. That's the Bible school stuff I paid $40,000 to learn. <laughs> Not worth it. Go to LCU. You'll get out with no debt. You'll learn the same thing. I promise. So, but I did meet my dear friend, Char, who's here with me today. So, Jesus Christ met Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're in the middle of the fire. And he didn't just escort them home. He walked with them in the fire. And he brought them out on the other side. And when they came out on the other side, there was no brain damage. There was no loss of eyesight. They hadn't lost the ability to hear. They didn't even have singed arm hairs. They were perfectly fine. But the ropes that had bound them were gone. You see, when you're walking through fire, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but when you're walking through fire, he's going to meet you there. And he's going to make sure that you come out clean on the other side. And so the other day I was praying about today's message and I asked the Lord, okay, this is an old story. What is there new that you'd like me to see? And he said, what feeds a fire Okay, we had a house fire when I was in third grade. And the firefighters taught us what feeds a fire is oxygen. Oxygen feeds a fire. Okay, the more oxygen is exposed to a flame, the bigger the flame gets and it eats the oxygen out of the air. So in the fiery furnace, there would have been no oxygen. And so the greater miracle that we miss in this story is that they didn't suffocate. So what were they breathing in the fire? There's no air, there's no oxygen. What are they breathing? They're breathing fire. 
They're breathing fire. And so could it be that their trial, their tribulation was so all-encompassing, so all-surrounding, so all in their senses, it was all they could see, it was all they could hear, it was, it was all they could feel. They were breathing in fire. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt so surrounded by your trial, by your circumstance, by your situation that you are just, you're claustrophobic from it? It's, it's coming in on you. It's in front of you. It's behind you. It's all around you. It's, it's the only thing that you can see. It's the only thing that you can feel. You're breathing it in. It's becoming a part of you because you're walking it out. You're breathing it in. Have you ever been there? I have been there. I've been there this year. I've been there. But Jesus met them there. He gave them heaven's air. He gave them heaven's air. I believe it. Jesus did not abandon them in their fire. The the God of Israel did not abandon them in the fire. We gotta have but if not kind of faith. We gotta have no turning back determination. God, are you still worth it? Absolutely. God, are you worth it when I bury those I love? Absolutely. You're still worth it. There's no turning back. There's no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. And it doesn't matter if it's popular. It doesn't matter if it makes me very unpopular, which it did. And it doesn't matter if I am profiting or if I am losing. I have decided. There's no turning back. God can't be your backup plan. He's your only plan. He's your only plan. The disciples thought after Jesus died, oh, well, we'll just go back. We'll just go back. We'll go back to fishing. We'll go back. No, Jesus said, I'm not letting you off the hook that easy. Not that easy. And so bringing this post the cross Let's bring this into our day. We have this example, this shining Old Testament example of how God, Jehovah, met them in the fiery furnace and preserved three boys. When they walked through fire, when they were breathing fire, God met them there. But the disciples, first and foremost, they weren't just following Jesus. They were sent in authority. Did you know you've been sent? This is an apostolic house. You were sent. You've been sent here to be trained, to be equipped, and to be sent out to win this city. So they were sent in authority, but they were not spared from trouble. In Matthew 10, verses 7 and 8, Jesus says to his disciples, As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. He sent them with authority to heal, to save, to deliver. But then he said later in verse 16, in the same conversation, he said, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. That doesn't sound like fun. Sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. I'm sorry, Jesus. Wolves have teeth. Harmless? Harmless as doves. Teeth. 
But that word harmless is actually a really poor translation. That word harmless actually means unmixed. And so he was telling them to not be intermixed with the culture. He was telling them to stay pure. Okay, wise as serpents and as pure as white as doves. All right. But wolves, sheep in the midst of wolves. Jesus never promised the disciples that they would not have trouble. In fact, he promised his disciples three things. That they would be completely fearless, absurdly happy, and in constant trouble. And they were. They were all three. In John 16, 33, they were sent again. And they were sent with peace. Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Because in the world you will have trouble. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus has never promised us that we won't face a fire. Jesus never promised us we won't face a trial, that we won't go through a storm, that our life is going to be perfect. Did anybody get that promise? Did anybody get the all peace, no trouble package from Jesus? Because if you did, I didn't see the sign up for that. No? Okay. Just me. So, he sent them in authority, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. He sends them in peace. In me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but I have overcome the world. But he didn't just send them in peace. And he didn't just send them in authority. Because in Acts chapter 2, he closed them with fire. He sends them in fire. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they all began speaking in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. God gave them fire. He said, you're about to go into a furnace, but I'm going to give you some fire to go into fire with. He said, you're going to go walking through fire. You're going to be sheep among wolves. You're going to be in the world where you will have trouble, but be of good cheer because I'm going to give you some fire to walk through fire with. I'm going to put some fire in you that's hotter than the fire around you. I'm going to put some fire inside of you that's going to shine brighter than the darkness around you. And when you are walking through fire, when you are breathing in fire, I'm going to give you some fire to breathe out. Because sometimes what you need when you are breathing in your circumstances, you need to be breathing out some Holy Ghost. You need to be breathing out some fire because what's coming into you is bad. What's coming into you will kill you. But what's got to come out of you is life and life eternal. And sometimes when all that's around you, all that you can see is bad. All that's around you is destruction. What God wants you to be coming out of your mouth is fire. Fire. God wants you on fire. He doesn't want you on fire so that the world can watch you burn. He wants you on fire so that when you're walking through it, you're going to be purified. And what's coming out of you is going to purify them who see you.
the Holy Ghost, and fire. Now, you guys, you guys have known me a while, most of you. We've been in Mount Sterling for two years, so if you're new, welcome. I'm Pastor Megan, and Pastor Hall's daughter. Pastor Hall, the apostle of this house. Pastor Hall, the one who has spent 30 years establishing this church. Pastor Hall, the one who walks in fire for you. Pastor Hall, the apostle of the organization of Church of the Living God, because this church was not meant to be one house. And he gave his fire to me. So I greet you. But for those of you who don't know me very well, I can tell you one thing. I'm not a public speaker. I am as introverted as they come. I am shy. I get nervous. I get sick. <laughs> but God gave me fire. And God didn't give me fire so that I could jump or shout or stir your emotions. But he gave me fire so that I could have peace. He could be my comfort. He could be my covering. And he did it for you. He didn't give you fire so that we could have a good service up here in the altar. He gave you fire so that when you're out there and you're walking through the middle of it and the doctors are looking at you saying things you don't want to hear, you can have fire coming out of your mouth because what's coming into you is destroying you. But what's coming out of you is going to destroy what's in front of you. The mountain in your way, catch it on fire. If that thing don't want to move, burn it up. Because you've got fire inside of you. And the fire inside of you is stronger than what's in front of you. It comes from him. The God who created you, the God who created the heaven and the earth, has put fire inside of you that's stronger than anything you could possibly come in contact with. And as a church, we need that fire. As a city, we need that fire. As a region, we need that fire. We can't do it by ourselves. 20 people alone in Mount Sterling plowing the ground in a high school auditorium. We need your fire. We need that burning, that passion. We need you to fuel us. And when your fire is low, we'll fuel you. We have to feed each other. That's what fire does. It feeds itself. And so, there's a purpose for the fire. There's a purpose for the fire. First Peter 1, 6 and 7 says, you rejoice in this. Even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials. So that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which perish, though perishable, is refined by what? By fire. Gold, refined by what? Fire. There's a purpose in the fire. It's not just there to be hot. It's there to pull out of you what shouldn't be there. It's there to purify you. 
Gold, though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The purpose for your fire is to bring him glory. The purpose for your fire is to bring out of you what this world has put into you so that what's in you can give him glory. And when you're walking through fire, walk with fire. I don't think you heard me. When you're walking through fire, when you're breathing in fire, you better be breathing out some fire. Are we God's people? Then we need to breathe some fire. Because whether you have it inside of you or not, you will face the trials of this life. You can face it with him or you can face it without him. I've tried it both ways and I can recommend him every time. He's worth it. He's worth it when he does what you ask and he's worth it when you don't get what you prayed for. He's worth it. This year, you thought last year was tough, COVID, Everything shut down. Everybody had to stay home. That was tough. This year seems worse. (laughs) Is it just me? Okay. Well, it's been worse for me. Okay. This year, John's had two surgeries. The second one went remarkably well. Remarkably well. The doctor said five hours, open surgery, 10 days in the hospital, six weeks recovery. It was two hours, laparoscopic surgery, one night in the hospital, three weeks recovery. But I'll be honest, we were praying that the surgery would be canceled. We were praying that God would create a new kidney in him, that the doctor wouldn't have to do surgery at all. But God met us where our faith was, okay? We had hope that the surgery would be canceled, but we had faith that it would go well. He didn't meet us in our hope. He met us in our faith. Okay? And so I want to encourage you to be audacious, not with your hope, but with your faith. Because when you have the faith for it, you can see mountains move. You can see cancer disappear. You can see things come back. Memories restored. You can see metal plates dissolve. You can see macular degeneration leave a person when you have faith for it, right? Jesus didn't ask the disciples, where is your hope? He said, where is your faith? Where is your faith? That's a rabbit. I chased it. It's over there. So we're walking in fire. The purpose of the fire is for purification. The purpose of the fire is to shine a light, okay? There's purpose in your fire. There was purpose in the three Hebrew boys walking through the furnace. God could have delivered them out of the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, and it would have been a testimony to Nebuchadnezzar. But by them walking through the fire and coming out on the other side, it was a testimony to all of Babylon. So sometimes... While God doesn't send your trial, let me say that again, God does not send your trial. 
he will use it for his glory. That it may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now we know he has authority in heaven and we hear that he has authority on earth. But he said, in heaven and on earth, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The Great Commission. He said, go. But go and go on fire. Go with all authority. Go in the name of Jesus. Go in the name of the Holy Spirit. That's where that is. That's, I didn't add that. That's in there. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father is your salvation. The Son is your authority. The Holy Spirit is your fire. Go with all three. And while you're walking through fire, while you're breathing in fire, you can be breathing out fire too. What's the old saying? Let's fight fire with fire. Let's do it. This city is burning in addiction. Mount Sterling is burning in addiction. I hope we have a flame big enough. Scratch that. He has a flame big enough. So as a church, I encourage you to let the fire inside of you be stronger than the one outside of you. Be hotter and brighter than the one you're facing. You might be bombarded with what the world can throw at you. But while you're walking through fire, he's with you. And you might be limping through the fire. You might be crawling through the fire. You might be sitting in the corner, rocking back and forth, wondering how you're going to get out of the fire. God is with you. He is for you. He will not forsake you. And we need each other in this. Those of you who are older, you know how to walk through fire. And we as a younger generation, we need that wisdom. Because when we face real trial, and we don't know what to do, we turn to you. We turn to you. When we lost our child, it was the encouragement of you, those who had been there before, that got us through it. And so I encourage you, whatever you are facing, let my fire encourage you. Because I've seen cancer disappear. With my own eyes, I've seen it. I've seen blind eyes open. With my own eyes, I have seen it. I have heard firsthand the stories of resurrection, real life resurrection. With my, my ears, I have heard the stories of those who saw it with their eyes. Let my fire catch you on fire. I know people 
lots of people who have children that God, the doctor said they shouldn't have. The doctor said, you will not. And God said, oh, yes, you will. And I've seen the situation turn time and time and time and time and time and time again. I've seen the prodigals come home. I've seen the demon-possessed set free. I have seen pain and, and injuries leave. I've seen addiction broken. I've seen mental health restored. God can do it. And he will do it. Stand with me.